Good evening, family. Um, my name is Dineo, and I'm part of the staff here. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 27. That is Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 27. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This is the word of God. Amen. Good evening again. Thank you, David, for inviting me, I should say that, uh, for the opportunity to speak about the gospel uh, and to speak about it also about this opportunity of Thing about misconception about Jesus. And really what I want to talk about uh, this morning is the idea that Jesus came to divide. And I remember the reason I came to this conclusion, because I was thinking of all the glorious misconception about Jesus, how I landed here. You know, I was going through one of the holy streets. You can walk through as a Christian, Twitter. Uh, so being on the streets of Twitter, and I saw this tweet, which turned out to be a big thread about, and someone says, I hate Christianity. It has divided so many families, including mine. Then I click on the thread, and then I'm just sharing stories of people. Yeah, we're fine, and now the thing, my sibling became a Christian, and means there's certain things you can't do with the family. And now it means it's not part of us. And then back and forth, and then you hear others say, no, Christianity has come. It has, un- it has brought peace. Jesus has unified many families. But because there was thing as well, as soon as I saw uh, that tweet, and my first response was like, you're wrong. Here's another person who doesn't understand Christianity. Jesus has come to unite. And I'm thinking about we just moved in a few months in Brown. I'm concerned that we were ready. There's a guy who was stayed, was homeless, away from his family, that we have reunited with his family. Like, there are examples. But then I had to take a deep breath when I had, I remember these kind of verses that we heard about uh, this evening. That actually, it is true that I've heard many stories that of people, just because they accept the Christianity, that that means that their way of life, had, uh, it clashed with their family way of life. Uh, that whether you think that you think you, or you, you're not African enough once. Or someone thinks that sometimes our families who also who view themselves and might be Christians, they just think you're just taking this Christianity thing too seriously. <laughs> and so decisions that you make don't make sense to them. Or they think you think you're better than us because of this Christianity that you've had. And to me it was worse because you heard it from the, the gospel from a white person. They said, you said this one, is this because you think you're better because you heard it from white people. So I've seen, so I've experienced going home uh, to my love, my home, I'm from PE, that's like uh, the best city in South Africa, it's called the friendly city uh, for a reason, uh, people. But yet I know every when I'm there, almost every day is an argument for me. 
and it's about how we do things, my view and things like that. And being a pastor, I thought it was going to make things better. It just gives them more power to just come with me with questions and decisions or how to do things. So there is a sense, and hearing Jesus affirming that, to saying that, surely Jesus in many occasions does come and divide. But I was reminded uh, by David saying that this is meant to be evangelistic. And I was like, yes, I know. <laughs> and I think uh, what I want us to uh, to see this evening, uh, first of all, is that why is that that statement that Jesus comes to divide, why is it good news, not only for us as Christians, but also for non-believers? That it is it's also some form of grace, because it doesn't pretend it reveals truth about things. And so that you can actually come and bring about um, healing, you can bring about um, way forward, and the truth that really will change and save someone's life. And so we're going to be dealing about, talking about that. So I'll try and move uh, faster than that. As I was, and, and how I'm going to do that, I'm really going to be looking at uh, uh, the, uh, the cost of demand, the open first and the cost of demand. Um, and then second point I will be thinking about is, uh, I guess, the reason of such a cost. Why such a cost of demand? Why does Jesus demand so much? I'm telling you that in advance just in case you fall asleep. At least you can say I've heard what the pastor said. <laughs> so we're going to do that. And I didn't, I didn't realize you guys use the ESV to read. Yeah. So I'm from the Eastern Cape, and you know our education, our metric results, where we are. We're like at the bottom. And to top it up, I also went to government school. Um, so you know there's a private school. Then there's a public school. Public school is a good one. You pay like 2000 a month and like that. And then you have ours, the government school, where you pay 100 rands the whole year. That's really, that's, that's where I'm at. So the, the, so the version that I'll be preaching from will be a Christian standard uh, uh, version to meet up with my English and my education. But I'm sure we'll find each other uh, with that. Okay. Amen. Let me pray for us and ask God uh, to help us uh, as we go through this message. Only Father, we do uh, want to thank you that you are a God who speaks, uh, that you speak truth into our life. That not only that, that you are the God who loves us, that despite of our hatred of you, that you have sent your son Jesus to come and die. Um, us. So help us uh, this message so that those who do not know you, that they may hear uh, the good news of Jesus Christ and what he came to do. And for us that who have accepted Jesus, that don't feel discouraged uh, because of the constant conflict uh, that we might have with others. But we may use the differences we have with others as an opportunity to reach them with the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I will read uh, the first, uh, the first uh, <clears throat> point, as I said, the, uh, the, the demanding cost that Jesus 
uh, says for us, which we find in, the, in the 25 uh, to 27. Jesus said, uh, it reads, Now a great crowds were traveling with him, so he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. And even to make those passages even sound, if they can sound uh, anyways, um, I remember that actually even earlier on, Jesus said something similar. In chapter 12, verse 9, verse 49, he said this. He says, I came to bring fire on earth, and how I wish it were already set ablaze. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how it consumes me until it is finished. Verse 51. says, do, do you think that I came here to bring peace on earth? No. I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two, and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against, against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. They're saying that those Jesus' message to his people, that he came to divide. And that's what it will cost us as a Christian, that it will cost you that you need to manage, you need to hate. Those are strong words. You need to hate uh, your, your mother, your brother, your sister, even your own life. I feel like this does not sound like the gospel. This doesn't sound like Jesus' love. Um, and I think it is important, obviously, to understand that we know it is true that Jesus is love. That calls us to love. That Jesus does bring true peace. But here, you are given a comparison that what it means to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, that in comparison to how you love your life and how you love it, it is it almost it looks like hatred. It is not hatred. It is a language. It's Jesus sometimes used hyperbole to to bring about a point that how much we should love Him, how much it will cost us to follow Him. That it might mean, as I say in this example, that sometimes it will cost you your family. That it will cost you the brother you love. It will cost you your best friend. That it might cost you your career. That's the high demand, the cost of following Jesus. To find that the relationships that are so important in our life, it might cost us that. And let that sink in.
But I don't want us to stop there. Because I think about that's a shocking statement. This is something that's when I had as well, when I remember I said my first response hearing that was defense saying that you are clueless. Jesus unites families. But there's a true sense. I know too many Christians. I know my own life. But sometimes that could not be the case. But what I want us to say, I want to see is, even if that's the case, that is good news. And here's why. Second point. Why such a high cost? Why such a high demand? And here, I want us to view, basically just hearing three things. That the first thing is the fallenness. I the fallenness or the darkness of the world. You need to understand the fallenness and the darkness of the world. This is sort of some things that Jesus or the Bible tells us about the world. In first, in John, first John, uh, chapter two, verse fifteen onwards, John says this: says, "Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not there." Verse sixteen. Why? For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires passes away. That's First John 2, 15, that says that. But that's not all that's been said. Also, James has something to say that, uh, if I can get there. This is what James says in James 4, chapter 4, verse 4. It says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. So remember even from Genesis 3, after that, when when, uh, Adam and Eve, as they come and are living in perfect uh, fellowship and harmony with God, and after they have sinned, there was a tension, there was a brokenness in that. That human being no longer wanted to live to put God as the center of their life. That they put themselves, that we put ourselves as the center of our lives. That transpires, that in Israel life, where even after the flood in Noah, when God poured the flood and he realized something after the flood, and then he says, okay, I will never again judge the world with what? Because I come up to this conclusion that man is sinful, that every inclination of our heart is sinful. There is, a, there, is a, there, is that, there is darkness. And John, even the Gospel of John, defines the world as a dark, as dark place. And God is light. So there's a clash. So the reason why I'm saying that divides is because God, first of all, and sinful humanity, there's a great divide. And those who are called out of that dark world are going to be, in fact, those going to be called, they're going to be called to live, to play for a different team, to be in a different side. That's already a natural divide. Same thing when like that, where you're saying that you can't be a Liverpool fan and be friends with Manchester United fans. That's just betrayal. 
I'm joking. It's a good thing to be friends with Manchester United. It does well for my self-esteem. Always <laughs> someone. But as I said, why is it good news, first of all, to say this high cost? Because of it's important to reveal the truth, how bad the situation is. Because think about it. Uh, say you are working with a friend, you were just somewhere, you were in a fight together. Imagine yourself, you were at the club, you think we were going to Bramfontein, to Kansas City, you ended up in small street, there in town, and you know you had to fight off some few people for your phone. And there were some knives uh, going around, and you got uh, something stabbed. Uh, you got stabbed uh, in the neck, and then you're walking uh, towards the light, Bramfontein. Uh, <laughs> and as you're walking, you're bleeding, and then you ask your friend because you can't see how. Saying, I feel like something. I can. I know that I'm bleeding, and I think I've, I, I was cut. I was stabbed. How bad is this? your friend? Doesn't want to make you alarm. Says. No, it's just a scratch. You'll be okay. Imagine if it wasn't. If it actually was such an open wound that you can actually see the bone. You, in that moment, you want your friend to actually say, to tell you the truth and to say that, man, I don't think you're going to make it. We actually, and we need to stop now and we need to call for help and to act according to cover that wound. But the first the friend has to come up and tell the truth. The same thing as well. They're saying that is good news to the reason for a divide. It's just the world, uh, as the Bible describes it, that it is falling in a dark place and against God, an enemy, if we read uh, James chapter 4. That is the state. It's a dark place. And so the natural is that if you are the person of the light, on the other side, that is going to be enmity. So why is that a high cost? Is because it's just that's necessary because that's reality. That's just reality. That those that the fallen world as it is, uh, that it is dark, fallen, far from God, against God. And those who, for a Christian, you are not. But that is good news because truth is out. Now we can start doing something about it. Second reason why such a high cost um, is because of there is very, the kingdom of God has high value. There is much to gain. As we think about this, I will look at... Uh, we look at Peter, Peter, uh, Jesus in Luke 18, where Jesus interacts uh, with Peter. This is uh, Luke 18, remember, it says, uh, it's that part where Jesus meets up with a uh, rich young ruler who wants to enter eternal life. So what teacher, what good teacher should I do to enter eternal life? And then tells him just what he should do. And then says, I've done that. This is my youth. And Jesus said, oh, okay, you lack one thing, give up all your wealth. And we're told that he went away. Sad. And then uh, the disciples are shocked. And Jesus talks about how it is impossible for anyone to be saved. And then Peter said this was in verse 28 of chapter 8, uh, Luke 18. He says, Then Peter said, Luke, we have left 
what we had and followed you. So he said to them, truly I tell you, there is no one who has left a house, a wife, brothers, sisters, parents, or children because of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more at this time and eternal life in the age to come. So my brothers and sisters, as we say that, that it might be truth for you that from now on until you leave this world, that you might have, you might be divided from your family because of the gospel. But Jesus promises us that whatever we have lost, that he will give, that we in Christ, that we have gained and we will gain much, much more. that you will gain more families, members. And I call you here brothers and sisters because if though I don't know most of you, but that's what we are, we are a family of God. And that you had an example of that is, a beautiful example of that is uh, at the cross when Jesus is about to die and his mother is there in Jerusalem, probably by, by herself disoriented, disoriented, maybe panicking, what's going to happen to her? She's lost her thing, her husband. Now the firstborn of the family is gone. And then Jesus says, woman, here's your son. And said to the son, here's your mother. And then John tells her from that day onwards that Mary stayed at John's house. That she had someone to take care of him. And they went by blood. They were not related. They were not related. But because of Jesus, they were family. And many of us here, that if we genuinely live as Christians, and if you give other Christians a chance to be a family, that you yourself, no matter how many people, you, how many your family members have lost, friends have lost, that they can be your family. And they are the family that we have. You have thousands, hundreds of thousands of family members in this life. But not only we know that as Christians, as Paul said, that we only have this life to live, we are to repeat it, but we have eternity that is looking for us. That all our losses, all our relationships that were strained by the gospel, all our tears that we have shed because of, because you said that everyone, you, 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 your family, you love them. But those tears, all those heartaches, that one day we know that they will be wiped and they will be filled with joy. And that is the truth. There are many things that the Bible promises us that we will have, that whatever. So what I want, a message that I want us to ring out clear in our ears, that no matter how many losses you have, no matter what you have given to God, that you can never outgive God, that he will give you much more than you have led, what than you have given him. And then sometimes sadly that that might cost you your family, that might cost you saying that people who are dear, your friends, but as I said, you already have gained a lot as a Christian. As I said, now you are, we can come as, if you were wounded before, it's no use for someone to pretend that you have not wounded. So what I will say that with your family, uh, that you have uh, strayed with, that is with mine, 
that we know that we have a divide between us. And that gives me ample opportunity that forces me actually to engage them with the gospel, with the truth. We're not going to go around pretending your wound is fine. It's just a scratch. I'm saying, man, I'm trying to attend to your wound each moment. I'm giving you bandages, saying here's what can help you. But knowing, even in the midst of that loss, that we have so much to gain, that whatever we've lost, God has given and will give us much more than we have. So hence, he can ask for that. He can ask so much of us. Another point, why can he, why such a high demand? Uh, why such a, a high demand? Because salvation was so, was not cheap. The salvation that he may be free from us. But remember saying to Jesus, it has cost him his life. It cost him his life. And there's an implement that uh, there's two uh, things sides that, that the salvation is not cheap, but also the other side that Jesus is not asking for us for something that he didn't give up. Because I was thinking about our favorite verse, you know, our favorite national anthem as, as Christians, John 3.16, um, that sometimes we can say it and we, the meaning of it can be lost. But when you hear those words saying, for God so loved uh, the world that he gave up his one and only son to die for our sins. And the two things there that one I usually miss because it's like, oh, God loves us so much. But first thing he shows, he tells you, it's how did God love you? How did God love us that Jesus, his son, died in our place? That's a, that's a, that's a, that Jesus lost his life. We love our life. If you didn't know that COVID tested us, how much we value our life, that we were busy wearing masks. I'm like, we own, we grown, but we were told what to do and we did it. Like, you want to stay face, says, no, you need to keep sanitize all those things that we have done because we want to preserve our life. In a sense, yet Jesus gave up his life. That's how he loved us. And the man in terms of how he loved us shows us how much he loves us. That he gave up everything. What else can you give beyond your life? He gave everything. So when he's saying to us, following him might cost you this, he's not uh, asking you for something that he himself, he didn't pay. He's not a hypocrite. He has set an example. That's what it cost him. That it cost him his life. And that here, that's what we will, we will say that even to the people then, that in our family members that we're sharing with, that we can know that we can tell them first about the wound that they have, that they are in a bad place. But at the same time, there is hope through Jesus. You know this firsthand. 
and then the implications then of those things when we think about our marriages, um, marriages or relationships uh, that uh, that uh, that all of us that were in. That what Jesus says is calling people, that's saying he came to divide the high price, the cost of following him, means that Jesus wants to be number one. That Jesus wants to be a priority. That is clear. And even in our marriage, that you need to live a marriage, relationship that we're in, Jesus has to be number one. And the decision that you make have to follow that. So now, and also in that, uh, with Christians, sometimes where decision, where do you live? That many Christians that quickly answer the question, it depends how close, I need to be as close as possible to my workplace, so that I spend less time, I, then it costs me less money. But what about your faith? When you, where do you rate where the importance of you fellowshipping with other Christians? Where does that rate in the decision where you stay? And saying that I've been a Christian long enough that I've seen what has happened to my friends who just removed themselves for good reason, good financial reason. They went to neighborhoods where the houses were more affordable. They were closer to work, but far from everyone. Didn't want the cost of it. And you need to be able to get to those arguments. Toward family, we have said that, uh, we've spoken about our family as we're talking about, where we don't want saying that, they're saying, uh, we don't want you to hate your family. You should love your family. And they're saying that there's no ultimate love of want, of telling your family the truth and wanting your family to be healed. Of that wound that we're talking about. And how we mean that. Uh, is uh, here is you really need to use uh, the if you have those tension to use it to have an opportunity to love them even while you're telling the truth because um, that and that's a conscious thing like even now I'm faced with the thing that I've, I was I'm, I'm asked to build a tomb for my mother and my grandmother. And we think about what's going to happen on that day when I come back home to Eastern Cape. What are we going to do? Others already called me and said that I dreamt your mother. And she's saying that I think she needs to, you know, she needs to come back home and all those things. I need to have those tough conversations. I need, I've loved her saying that I will sacrifice and try to pay for as many things I can pay for. They won't doubt my love. But I'll say that I'm standing here. I can't do this. This is what it would look like for me to respect, to honor my mother, my grandmother. Make sure that they don't doubt your love by your actions, but don't be, be unwaving when it comes to Christian living. So that's why I'm saying that when I, that's why I thought that actually this thing that seems to be thought of Jesus dividing is actually good news because it provides me an opportunity for me and my family to actually talk about the gospel, to do that. And if you're here, as I said, that if, you're not, if you have not received Jesus, another side, the truth of matter that you are in the dark, that God is not indifferent with you, or you're not in a different place with God, you are his enemy.
but yet there's good news that he sent his son Jesus to die so that you may be reconciled with him. That's saying that, and there's a message also, there's a heart you need to have with your family. So that's that with family. The same thing also with your career. As you know that, even your career, thing like that, the people out there, they're on the other side. But you need, as a, uh, when in your career, in how you want to excel, and you should want to excel, by the decisions you make, that they must reflect where you are now. That sometimes you know that they might cost you something, your decisions. They might bring a division. Don't be div- bring a division just become that colleague that's annoying. That just likes to tell people how they're not doing their work well and things like that. No. Be that colleague that actually excel in loving, in care, in competency where you are. But at the same time, you know that doing well, that's not your ultimate thing. You want to do well for Christ. And whatever decision that comes with that, that's what came, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. That Jesus came to divide because the world was divided. But Jesus came to reconcile you and you also, you're an agent there to reconcile the world, including your family, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, and your friends. Amen. Amen. Um, those are um, heavy words uh, that call us um, to respond, uh, that call us to consider the words of Jesus, um, that our wound is serious, uh, but the grace of God is powerful and alive to heal us. And maybe you are here this evening, uh, you heard that message. Um, maybe you haven't considered being a, a Christian before. Uh, I'm just going to lead us in a, in a time of prayer as we respond to, um, to that message of the gospel, uh, of how broken we are and how powerful God is um, to save us. And how he has done that through our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you have not come to be a Christian. Um, I'm going to pray a prayer uh, that's going to lead us uh, in taking that next step uh, of accepting him as Lord and as Savior. So please bow your heads as I lead us in that prayer. Uh, you might be here this evening and you want to pray uh, that prayer in response to God's word. Um, perhaps you've been struggling to come to know Jesus because of your family background, um, and you had the, uh, the good news of what Jesus offers. Uh, let me pray this prayer. Uh, you can pray it at the back of your head uh, and confess it to God. And this prayer goes like this. Father, I do not understand it all, but I know that I need you. I know that I'm a sinner and that I'm, an, I'm your enemy. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ um, who died on the cross to bring me to you, to make me, turn me from your enemy into your friend. And so this evening, I acknowledge that I'm broken. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. 
And I want to run to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for this, your word. Thank you for the gospel that challenges those who are inside and those who are outside. That for us, for many of us who are inside, I pray, Father, that you would call us to see the cost of following you. Uh, I pray for those who might be coming here this evening who are on the outside, that they would also see the cost, uh, but see the beauty of your sacrifice, that you gave up your life uh, and call us to do likewise. And so thank you for giving up your life um, on that cross. Thank you that uh, through the cross of Jesus we are brought into a relationship, a reconciled relationship with um, with God. And I pray that from this day forward, uh, this evening, uh, that somebody will take that step uh, in trusting Jesus. So thank you for this evening. Thank you for those difficult words, those needed words. I pray that you would help us see our need uh, to heal this wound. Uh, This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.